In 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul skillfully writes about the Lord's coming to encourage the believers who grieved over their dead loved ones. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Paul goes on to speak of an event in prophecy known as the rapture of the church, when Jesus Christ returns for his bride and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Seven years later, after much tribulation on earth, Jesus comes with his bride to fight the battle of Armageddon and win. So don't lose hope. Instead, the Bible says, encourage one another with these words. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. And this is Something Good Radio. Hi, I'm Brian Davis, and thanks for being here for today's message with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, the church in Thessalonica had been misinformed about the second coming of Christ and had now grown concerned that their loved ones who had departed were no longer able to be saved. Paul clearly and emphatically addressed those false teachings, and then, for good measure, he added some additional thoughts on the subject of Christ's second coming. Stay with us now as Ron moves ahead in his series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. And online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org. That's where you can listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, 1 Thessalonians, the Lord's coming. Now, the word rapture does not appear in the Bible. But the phrase in the Greek language translated caught up or snatched up captures the idea and it differentiates it from what is commonly called the second coming of Jesus Christ. Another thing you need to know is that the rapture was not taught in the Old Testament. We know that from 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul alludes to the rapture and uh, calls it a mystery. A mystery is something that was once concealed but is now revealed. In the, New in the Old Testament, no teaching about the rapture all kinds of teaching, prophetic teaching about the second coming of Christ. But in John chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 15, and 1 Thessalonians 4, the uh, mystery of the rapture of the church is revealed for the first time. For the first time with Jesus and his disciples in the upper room, and then later in Paul's letter to the Romans, and this expansive text in Paul's letter to um, the Thessalonians. Now, Bible prophecy is always meant to encourage us, not divide us. But the reality is good people in the body of Christ differ in their understanding of this Thessalonians passage as it relates to the Lord's coming. I believe after uh, more than 30 years of study in the scripture, and I've not wavered for this, from this in, uh, in all this time, I believe that the evidence is compelling that the second coming of Jesus Christ is a two-stage event, separated 
by the outpouring of God's wrath upon planet Earth for seven years. Some may know that as the tribulation. And so in the ordering of events in Bible prophecy, and again, good people disagree with this, but they're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We start with the rapture. The next event, the next event on God's prophetic calendar, the rapture of the church that happens according to 1 Corinthians 15 in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment, as fast as you can blink, the dead in Christ rise first. By the way, all the dead will rise. This reference to the dead in Christ rising first is one of seven resurrections of the dead mentioned in the New Testament from the time of Christ, the first Easter resurrection, all the way to the end of the age. Everybody who goes into the grave will rise again, some to eternal life, others to eternal death. At the rapture, a particular group known as the dead in Christ. Who are those? Believers during the church age. Okay? This isn't Daniel and Abraham and Isaac and all of them. No, the dead in Christ is a technical term that refers to those during the church age. Those that the Thessalonian believers were grieving over, their dead loved ones in Christ, what's going to happen to them? At the rapture, the dead in Christ go first. Then we who are alive and remain are caught up together with them in the air, taken to heaven. While the tribulation takes place on earth, the outpouring of God's wrath. And then at the end of that, stage two of his second coming. Because you see, uh, Jesus first comes for his bride. He comes for his bride, the church. And then seven years later, after the tribulation, also known in the Bible as Jacob's trouble, also known in the Bible in Daniel chapter 9, as Daniel's 70th week, all of that comes into play here. After the seven years, he comes with his bride and with the angels and armies of heaven to fight the battle of Armageddon and win. So you got the ordering of events there? Rapture, seven years of tribulation, the outpouring of God's wrath, and the final second coming. Now, one argument among many for the rapture of the church is that believers are exempt from God's wrath. Let me say that again. Believers in Jesus Christ will never experience God's wrath. Uh, Paul mentions this twice in 1 Thessalonians saying in chapter 1 and verse 10, Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. Chapter 5 and verse 9, God has not destined us for wrath. Now, Jesus did say in his upper room discourse with his disciples on the night before he was crucified, he said, in this world, you will experience tribulation. Uh, The everyday kind of difficulties of living in a fallen world, of living in a sin-scarred world, you will experience tribulation, lowercase t. But believers will never go through the tribulation, uppercase t, okay? Uh, God's wrath is specifically for unbelievers. It certainly includes eternal damnation in a place called hell, but it's more than that. And God's wrath poured out on this earth during the tribulation period 
the bride of Christ is snatched away. Another interesting thing to note is that the seven-year tribulation, capital T, described in the book of Revelation goes from chapter 6 through chapter 19. A lot of detail about those seven years of uh, tribulation, all hell breaking loose on planet Earth. And a reference to God's wrath in those chapters appears 11 times. This is a time in future Bible history where the wrath of God, not just everyday tribulation and struggles and suffering and pain in this life, but the outpouring of God's wrath at a time known as Jacob's trouble, Daniel's 70th week, the tribulation, which also becomes the great tribulation in the last three and a half years. And what's interesting is after Revelation chapter five, there's no mention of the church. None. There are letters to the churches in chapters two and three. The church is pictured worshiping in heaven in chapters four and five. Nothing about the church when the description of the tribulation begins in chapter six all the way through chapter 19 until the saints return with Jesus. The implication is the church is gone during the seven years. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul is gonna talk about the man of lawlessness, the antichrist, and he's gonna talk about how the restrainer is taken out of the world at that time. Who is the restrainer? Who restrains sin from its full expression today? The Holy Spirit does. Where is the Holy Spirit? Oh, there he is, there he is. Is he in the bushes? No, he's in you, believer. He's in you, he's in the church. And if the restrainer is lifted, during the tribulation, that's why all hell breaks loose. That means the church is gone, because the Holy Spirit's gone. So all these reasons that we can bring to play, and there are many more to argue for this idea that the second coming of Jesus Christ, the Lord's coming is a two-stage event, rapture of the church when he comes for his bride, the second coming when he comes with his bride, and the seven-year tribulation in between. Now, the prophets of old spoke of the outpouring of God's wrath in another way. They called it the day of the Lord. And when we went through the Old Testament major prophets and minor prophets, we landed upon the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. That had present day implications, it had future implications, it had ultimate implications. The, the book of Joel, the major theme there is the day of the Lord. And um, Paul transitions his thoughts in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians in verses 1 to 11, and he talks about the day of the Lord as a future event in Bible prophecy that immediately follows the rapture, the day of the Lord being generally the seven years of tribulation, but especially the day Christ returns at the Battle of Armageddon, the ultimate day of the Lord. And according to Mark Hitchcock, a pastor and Bible prophecy expert that I consulted with this week, um, the way Paul shifts his topic in his letter to the Thessalonians is significant because it represents a clear order of events. Dr. Hitchcock you know, delves into the Greek language and he says Paul is uh, famous for and one of his favorite ways of transitioning his thought is the way he begins chapter five, which again tells us these are two separate events, two separate events. 
We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Something Good Radio exists only through the prayers and financial support of friends like you. It's your gifts that enable us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ through this media ministry. When you give this month, we want to say thank you with a brand new resource from the ministry of Dr. Ron Jones. It's an ebook that goes along with this current series titled Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The seventh of eight ebooks in the series is based on the Pauline epistles, and it's our gift to you for your gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices, 757-276-1099. Let's join Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, First Thessalonians, The Lord's Coming. He also finishes his discussion about the rapture with uh, uh, an instruction to encourage one another with these words. Then he starts his discussion about the day of the Lord, finishes that, encourage one another with these words. Uh, structurally, there's no, no question that Paul is talking about two separate events. And all of this is meant to encourage us. There were some erroneous views about the Lord's coming that came into the church at Thessalonica. Paul's trying to clean that up. He's trying to remind them what I taught you before and expand on it a little bit because they were distressed in their hearts. You see, the Bible prophecy, again, is not meant to divide us. It's meant to encourage us and to give us hope as believers in Jesus Christ. But we need to study the scriptures well and, and divide and, 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 and study it uh, correctly. Now, Paul goes on in chapter 5. He's getting ready to land the plane here. And in chapter 5, verses 16 through 22, he seems to give some further instruction, sort of in a staccato-like fashion, in light of the fact that the Lord is coming, he says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? He says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The second time he mentions the will of God. So if you wanna live the will of God this week, we have two very clear instructions about the will of God for our lives. In this case, giving thanks in all circumstances. He goes on to say, don't quench the spirit. Don't say no to the Holy Spirit, Christian, and live by the flesh. Say yes to the spirit. Live by the spirit. You're gonna need him, especially when you're standing apart and maybe standing alone with regard to sexual and social ethics. He says, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Yes, in light of the sure return of Jesus Christ. Come on, church, let's, let's get ready. Let's get ready. Let's get in that ready position. Let's lean in to the fact that the Lord is coming. And if we understand the scriptures correctly, and I know some people you know, have different thoughts about it, but I believe the next event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. It could happen before we close the service today, and it will happen so quickly. The Bible says if you look carefully, when he comes in stage one, only the church sees him. Stage two, the whole world sees him because he's coming to fight the battle of Armageddon and defeat all his enemies on the ultimate day of the Lord. 
Paul ends his overall letter with a stirring benediction and an encouraging one, and it points uh, to the Lord's coming for the last time. He says in verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. Say that with me. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Do what? Sanctify you. It's ultimately God's responsibility. When we're set apart and standing alone, to sanctify us, to assist us in being more like Christ. But the other thing he'll surely do is come again. Don't you know, set your calendar or try to pick the date or the hour. It's a bunch of nonsense. Nobody knows the day or the hour. That's why you always have to be ready. The first way to get ready is come to the cross of Christ and make sure the blood of Christ has been applied to you. Just like in the Old Testament when the death angel came, the 10th plague, how did you prepare? By sacrificing the lamb, painting the blood over the doorpost so that when he came, he saw the blood applied. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Has his blood been applied to you by faith? That's how you get ready. And then as a believer in Jesus Christ, you stand in the ready position so that the Lord's coming is never far from your thoughts. So that everything that you do throughout the day is in light of the fact that before the next breath I take, the trumpet could sound. The dead in Christ, oh, they'll beat us up there, but just in the twinkling of an eye, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds. We spend the next seven years, I believe, at the judgment seat of Christ, a a reward ceremony about how faithful we have been with our time, our talents, our treasure, serving the Lord Christ. Sort of like a high school graduation where everybody you know, gets a diploma. Some people graduate with honors. Okay. So stand ready, be faithful, set your affections on things above and not on things on this earth. Oh, there are important things on this earth, but no- nothing more important than hearing the trumpet call and being ready for that. When Jesus Christ returns, friends, he will turn the world upside down again. Just like he did in the first century. The ripple effect of his life is still being felt today through believers like you and me, hopefully in a way that the world says, who are these people who are turning the world upside down? Until he comes, it is our job to get prepared for the Lord's coming, and it's our job to proclaim it to the world around us. And may we take that to heart. May there be a renewed fervor in our our hearts and in our minds to not let the coming of our Lord drift very far from our consciousness. But in everything we do, we're doing it in light of the fact that he's coming again to snatch up his bride. Our heavenly groom is coming. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
He's there right now preparing a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, he says, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He was describing his coming, the front stage of it, like a bride, or rather a groom, who comes for his bride in a Galilean wedding and takes his bride back to his father's house where they would live after he spent all this time building on homes there. And all of that is behind Paul's instruction here, even to the Thessalonians. Our job is to be the bride, the bride of Christ, waiting for his return in the ready position and ready to hear the trumpet call. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good Radio message, First Thessalonians, The Lord's Coming. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, let's talk a little more about the second coming of Christ, what the Apostle Paul calls the day of the Lord. Paul uses the word imminent when referring to the timing of Christ's return. What does that mean exactly? And what was Paul's ultimate purpose in sharing his prophetic message, both with his original audience as well as with us today? Well, you know, Brian, some of the Thessalonians were so convinced that Jesus would return in their lifetime that they began shirking some of their responsibilities. Paul felt compelled to exhort them on that point, but also to encourage them on some others. One of his major points is this, the timing and manner of Christ's return is less important than the perpetual readiness of the church. It's reminiscent of Christ's parable of the ten virgins found in Matthew chapter 25. Paul is telling the Thessalonians to expect Christ's immediate return while being prepared for his prolonged delay. In the parable, what distinguishes the wise from the foolish virgins is not their ability to predict, but their willingness to prepare. They knew the bridegroom was coming at some point, but they had no idea if he was coming at that point. So Paul encourages the Thessalonians to uh, conduct themselves rightly in light of Christ's return and to comfort and strengthen one another with the certainty of that return. Uh, So our calling today, Brian, as believers in Christ is to be watchful and to be comforted by Christ's imminent return. Now, as to that word imminent, it needs to be distinguished from both immediacy and from delay. In other words, we are to expect the Lord at any time without stating unequivocally or even arrogantly when any time might be. Imminence transcends now and later by including both. So the lesson for us today, taught both by Jesus and Paul, is to champion preparedness over prediction. We need to move away from the question, is he coming now, and instead ask ourselves, Am I ready at this moment? Like the wise virgins, we should anticipate immediacy and be prepared for delay. Work must go on. We must keep comforting, keep strengthening, keep watching, and most importantly, keep sharing our faith. Because despite all our knowledge about the what, we know little of anything about the when. That's why today is always the day of salvation, which means today is always the day we should be sharing our faith with others. That's Dr. Ron Jones and some final thoughts on the imminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ and what we as his followers should be doing in the meantime. Ron, let's quickly turn our attention to our next stop on our road trip through the Bible, the book of 2 Thessalonians. 
Yes, of course, Brian. Second uh, Thessalonians followed right on the heels of First Thessalonians. Some scholars believe it was written only about a month later. And it was really a continuation of what Paul was writing at the close of his previous letter. The imminent return of Christ and how believers should be living in light of that future return is still on Paul's mind. So Paul wrote his second letter to further clarify some misinformation about the second coming and to give them some practical instruction about what to do in the meantime. And Brian, I think many of us today need a little refresher course on both of these issues. So I'll do what I can to help over the next couple of days. That refresher course starts tomorrow in Dr. Ron Jones' message, Second Thessalonians, Until Christ Comes. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.